Welcome to the Tuesday Crew here on August 3rd. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Doug Willig, Christian Vasquez, and Nick Valsalen. I'm so sorry. That was that was a screw-up on my part. But anyway, we are joined by him today. He's going to be shadowing us for the hour. Uh, Doug, Christian, tell me how you guys are. I feel like I haven't been on the show in a couple weeks. And Christian, I don't know how many weeks it's been for you <laughs> to be on the show, but it's great to hear your voice again, my friend. Doing pretty good. Just, uh, if I figured I be, I had a little time on my hands. I have my boys outside right now, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do my radio show real quick. We'll get it done. You know, big day for free agency. Just might as well. But it has been a while. Doing pretty good. So. Yes, you know, I agree with Christian. Just the NBA over the last two days, the number like you know since free agency opened yesterday at 6 p.m. I mean, we know their teams were definitely negotiating before that that deadline, you know, or that, that start time when they were supposed to start negotiating at six, but all those deals broke right away. And there's more deals breaking today. I and mean, we could just spend the whole hour talking about NBA free agency. And of course, NFL training camps going on and there's baseball and everything else in the Olympics. But man, just the number of NBA headlines over the last, I mean, it's 6 PM now. So over the last literally 24 hours have just been insane. Yeah. It's been kind of crazy. Nick, uh, you want to introduce yourself to the world here? Yeah, what's up, man? What's up, everybody listening at home? What's up? My name's Nick, Nick Valsalen, man. I'm a student here at Rutgers University, and I'm glad to be here with the crew. That's really all I got to say. But, yeah, the NBA headlines have been crazy. Just been uh, dealing with a couple Woj bombs left and right, man, but it's been entertaining. Yeah, Woj bombs is right. I feel like I've gotten at least 12, maybe 15 alerts from Twitter over the last 24 hours just about all these different signings. Um, some crazy ones. Let's start with, um, you know, the, I, the hometown Knicks. I don't know if you guys are any Knicks fans, but they re-signed a bunch of their uh, their their key players from last year. I mean, some people might not view it as key players, but at least for their, you know, Tom Thibodeau's coaching, it's like their key guys there. They keep they, they got Derrick Rose back, Nerlens Noel yes. back. Um, I believe they got who else did they get back? They brought back Alec Burks as well, who was a key yeah. contributor for them off the bench and down the stretch. Yeah, they brought back Burks, Taj Gibson, and they signed Evan Fournier to a four a four year deal. It's really a three year deal with the fourth uh, with the fourth year being a, an option. Um, but some some big moves for the Knicks. They keep most of the most of their core there. I mean, other than um, Bullock, that was the only guy that they didn't re-sign. But honestly, I feel like they would have probably overpaid for him. But I, I feel like these were some good moves for the Knicks. Um, kind of keep everyone there. Randall, Barrett still under books. It's gonna be. I hope it's a good season like last year. I hope they have a bit more success in the playoffs. But what do you guys think? Yeah, that, that, yeah, Doug. Give me some of the uh, some of your thoughts yeah, on yeah. the moves. I'll just hop in. I mean, yeah, you know, there's so much to talk about with free agency. So I, I like your uh, your path, Dylan, to talk about the local teams first. I feel like we could talk Knicks and Nets free agent moves first, and then move on to the rest of the league and talk about Carmelo, DeMar DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry. I'll switch teams. But let, let's stick with Knicks and Nets first. So with the with the Knicks, I mean, we all know what happened last season, or if you pay attention to the NBA, the Knicks were not really expected to be a playoff team. I mean, they haven't been that good over the last few years, haven't made the playoffs since 2013 uh, when they had that 50-plus win year with Melo was still on the team. Since then, the team hasn't really had much success. And then last season, you know, led by Julius Randle, the team really, I think, overperformed. And I'm, I'm not going to say, when I say overperformed, that might have a negative connotation to it. But I do mean it in a positive way, in as in 
Most people expected the team to not be that good. And they went out and they got the four seed in the East, right? And they did lose in the first round to the five-seeded Hawks, who eventually made the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think this that was a big success for the Knicks. And for Knicks fans, you know, to have playoff games at the Garden. And, of course, uh, COVID restrictions were just starting to ease up in the fall. So you had fans at those games. It was high intensity. And Knicks getting those guys back is big. I mean, Derrick Rose, it, it's not MVP Derrick Rose that we saw in 2012, but it's still a key contributor to the Knicks. I think, I don't have the exact terms pulled up, but I think he signed a four-year 37 mil if I remember correct, correctly. I think around there. So, I think around there. Yeah, yeah. So big to get him back. Um, they didn't – I mean, I think you guys agree with this. There were some people kind of speculating the Knicks, which were going to be like a destination for a big superstar to come, kind of like what the Nets did the year before um, KD and Kyrie signed. They kind of – the team, D'Angelo Russell led them. They played really well, made the playoffs when people weren't expecting them to, and then they landed two big superstars. The Knicks didn't necessarily land those, you know, A-list, tier one superstars. But I think still, you know, with those moves they listed, like you said earlier, Dylan, I think they solidify themselves as to be a playoff team again next year. Yeah, and I think I think guys like R.J. Barrett, you know, they're just going to get better, honestly. I mean, I think, I think Randall's great season, as, as poor as his postseason play was, the main reason why they got in the playoffs was because of his outstanding – yeah, just regular season play, and it wasn't really expected. Um, obviously, I, I honestly I don't think it can get much better than that for a guy like Randall. I think he's gonna go, you know, he's gonna be a little bit worse this year, but it's not gonna be a bad player whatsoever. But I think R.J. Barrett's gonna be better, better this year, a better player. I think he's got the three point shot down. Like I think he's he's gotten really good at that now over this past season. He hasn't been too good at that, but he's kind of figured that out and being able to re-sign some of the main guys that Thibodeau really likes coaching around. Just some nice veteran uh, bench spots too, as well. It's just like the leadership on the team for, especially for a team that's kind of around guys like Barrett and Randall, who are younger guys in a sense. So I think it's it's just some good moves for that too. Um, Nick, I I understand you're a Sixers fan. Give me some of their moves that you're you're looking forward to. And you know, I I saw they signed Drummond today, right, or something like that. Yeah, the Sixers uh, they did pick up Andre Drummond, looking like he's gonna slide into that backup center role that Dwight Howard occupied last season, but. Obviously, with the Sixers, the main talk is around Ben Simmons. But I mean, I'm pretty happy with what I've seen from the uh, from from the when you guys were talking about the Knicks, man. I wanted to add something to that, man. The Knicks fans for years have been starved. They've been trying to land a superstar, but I think there's been a change of philosophy over the last two years, and you can see that now with Leon Rose being the GM, Worldwide West being there in the front office. Now they're really building around solid players, and while a superstar is attractive for a big market. You, that's how you really how you build a team. So bringing back Derrick Rose was huge. Nerlens Noel's defense and efficiency is crazy last year, and Evan Fournier is a guy who I think is really underrated. Uh, I don't think a lot of people really understand Evan Fournier's game because he's kind of been on teams that didn't really get a lot of spotlight. But from what I see, he he plays a lot like Manu Ginobili. I know that's crazy to say, but they got a similar playing style. Right. And I, I think, I think too, his three-point shooting presence presence is also a big thing for the Knicks too. I feel like that was one of the things they struggled with last year. If you remember in the playoffs when Randall couldn't, you know, buy a bucket, they they had to resort to, to guys like Derrick Rose, who they really like. I would think they would they would want him to drive to the basket, get foul calls, but because they were always losing, they were always down in games. He had to make big shots from three. 
I think a guy like Fournier is going to fill in that spot where, you know, they don't have to rely on either him or a struggling Randall to shoot from three. I think Fournier is a perfect fit for that role. Um, I do think it was a bit of an overpay, though. Um, I mean, what did he get? Like seventy million dollars or like seventy-two million dollars? I want to say uh, think for, something like that for like four years for you know a guy who's coming off a year with the Celtics who averaged. Um, I, I mean, he averaged nineteen. 0.7 points with the Magic, and then it got traded to the Celtics. Who ha- and then he had a lesser role with them, only averaged 13. But again, I think if he can shoot the three ball well and keep and make big shots for the Knicks, kind of like what that's been their Achilles heel. I think that that's a, a, you know worth it. It might be an overpay, but a guy like that is somebody you need um, if you're the Knicks. Yeah, I think he's also a pretty good shot creator as well. I think down the stretch you saw that Derrick Rose was the primary playmaker uh, for them. So I think it gives them a little bit more of a shot creator, a little bit of floor spacer. Um, the only thing I was wondering about what you said about Derrick Rose is that, did you say that they signed him to a four-year deal? Because I don't know if Derrick Rose knees can hold up for another four, <laughs> four more Derrick years. Derrick Rose is on a three-year, three $43 million. Okay, three, three years, years maybe. 30-something, I think, or something like that. $37 million. $37 million. Yeah, 43 43 43 million. All right, so three years. I mean, but if he can continue to play, you know, like he has been in Obviously, not including injuries, but if he can play like that, giving you 15 points off the bench a night with efficient shooting going to the line, I mean, that's, that's all you can do uh, if you're the Knicks. And for a team that would probably probably rely on their defense to win a lot of games, um, you know, getting those foul shot opportunities is kind of key for them to keep them in the game. And, and also, his defense is great, too. So I think he fits the scheme really well with Thibodeau, and they have that chemistry. He's been coaching Derrick Rose pretty much his whole career. So, I mean, it's just I think it's a good fit as well for them to keep him on the the team. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, they're still not the biggest show in town, if you will, but they're they're, they're a nice blue-collar team. Um, The Nets made some moves today too, man, Uh, some – some moves that aren't that spectacular when you consider, but I mean they already have three superstars on the on the team. But they did make a pretty crazy move. I mean, uh, pretty good moves for the bench. They picked up Patty Mills. I, I don't know if you guys are watching the uh, the Olympics right now, but he's been playing pretty well for Australia. Yeah, they retained Bruce Ball- yeah. Brown, and they also picked up James Johnson, who I don't know if you guys know, but he also doubles as a UFC fighter. Um, so <laughs> yeah. he's he's a good tool to have <laughs> off your bench, bring a little toughness. Yes. Yeah, and Nick, I don't know if you know, I'm a Nets fan. I think I'm the only Nets fan out of the four of us because, so Nick, you're a 76ers fan, I just found out. Dylan's a Knicks fan, uh, I think, right? Yeah, Knicks fan, yep. And then Christian, remind me of your basketball affiliation. I I just, I don't have like a team. I just, you know, I just watch super, super knowledgeable about everything. Yeah, so with the Nets, you know, I've been paying attention to the Nets moves. They did lose Spencer Dinwiddie. That was expected, but he's headed to the Washington Wizards in a sign-in trade. As of last time I checked, it wasn't specifically reported what the return was going to be for the Nets. I have, I'm not sure if that's been reported yet, but then Nets also lost Jeff Green, who was a nice contributor last year. That's a nice highlight dunks considering his age, but he is headed over to the Nuggets on a two-year 10-mil deal. So they lost those two guys. Um they did make the deals that Nick just said that they did today. And then last night, they also uh, got back Blake Griffin on a one-year deal. So Blake Griffin, you know, when he was in Detroit, a lot of people thought, okay, you know, he's done. He, he can't play anymore like he used to on the Clippers. And to be fair, he was not playing that well on the Pistons. Like, he only had, I think, 
one dunk or something in his tenure there, or he wasn't dunking, and all of a sudden he got to the net and he was like dunking again. He was like contributing great play. Like he really bounced back. I don't know if it's in. I think it's just an environment thing, you know, thinking about it. He's probably putting in more effort because it's a contender. But whatever the case was, his numbers went up. And also just by watching the play, you could see he was playing better. So Blake Griffin's back with the Nets. And I think, you know, I mean, we, we already know what happened to the Nets last season. They made it to the second round of the playoffs. They were expected to be a title contender. I mean, Kyrie got hurt, missed the last few games of that playoff series. Harden came back from injury but was still hurt. And, you know, Kevin Durant's 49, you know, 48-point playoff performances didn't – they weren't enough, and the Bucks made it past in seven games. So with these moves they made today, it's definitely a lot of moves, these guys. You know, Patty Mills, definitely a solid contributor, along with all the other guys we listed. That being said, I don't know if this really kind of shifts the needle one way or the other. We already know the three guys at the top are going to be determining whether or not this team – wins the championship. It's a really championship or bust season for them. I mean, it was the same thing last season. Championship or bust, and then you put that asterisk in, unless there's injuries, and injuries derailed them last season. So looking at this season, assuming you don't have any injuries like we had there, this is really a championship or bust team. And if we're being honest, they probably have the best shot to win the finals, maybe tied with the Lakers, and we'll, we can get to the Lakers in a second because – they made a lot of big moves, but I feel like the Nets, Lakers, you know, maybe the Clippers, if they're at, if Kawhi's at full health, those are probably your three main title contenders. Not trying to disrespect the Bucks. I know they just went and won the finals and played incredibly, but I think if the Nets are at full health, which they weren't in that series against the Bucks this year, if they are next year, they'll probably be favored over the Bucks. But that being said, there's still so much going on in free agency. I mean, we didn't even touch on. You know, the Lakers I just alluded to, we didn't touch on the Heat getting Lowry yet. We didn't touch on DeRozan and where he's headed to. The Bulls made a lot of moves getting Ball, Caruso. So, I mean, whatever you guys want to talk about next, we can go to. I think the Lakers is a good topic, but whatever team you guys want to touch on, we can go to. You know, I'm thinking maybe if Kevin Durant didn't wear a size 30 foot, they'd actually they'd be in the next round. Yeah. You know, it's That's just very yes, very it's true. unfortunate that unfortunate. you know his foot is gigantic and bigger than my face. Uh, I think you're right though that I think if they were at full health, that they would have, you know, beat the Bucks as good as the Bucks did play. No Kyrie and James Harden, who uh, it was let's be honest, pretty useless. Couldn't really, I don't know, couldn't couldn't shoot. He didn't shoot his three ball. Then he or or no, he didn't drive to the basket as he normally does. He resorted to a lot of three balls and wasn't making them. And listen, it's kind of hard to do what you're good at if you're not a hundred percent. So then it all fell on Kevin Durant's shoulders, and he played every single minute of that last game, and he got you to overtime. Again, if his foot wasn't fifty feet big, it would have won the game. Right. He did all he could, and I think it was just you know it's a it's a good win for the Bucks. Like congratulations. But next year when the, when you face the Nets again. With full strength, I expect it to be five or six game series max. I don't see it going seven. Same here. Definitely. And and like I said, I think the Lakers are the next probably main threat. And let's shift to the Lakers, right? So they made that big trade on bra- uh, on draft day. Uh, that news broke right before the draft, kind of broke through the first round, that they traded for Russell Westbrook. You know, they gave up, I think, a draft pick. They gave up, uh, they gave up Kuzma. They gave up Harrell. But... Coming back to the Lakers is Russell Westbrook. And we can debate all day, you know, whether or not Westbrook's shooting inefficiencies, you know, how valuable it makes them. But he certainly has the name recognition. He's won MVP in the league. 
So regardless of how valuable you'll think he is now, whether you think he's the greatest thing ever since Oscar Robertson because of his all his triple doubles, or whether you think, you know, he's really not that good a player and he just his awful shooting percentages is all you see, regardless of what you think of him, he does have the name recognition and that brings more attention to this team. Right? So he is there now. And what did the Lakers do over the last couple of days? I mean, today they, they did a lot, but something they did today was sign Carmelo Anthony. And Carmelo Anthony, you know, a former scoring champion, he led the league in scoring, I believe, in 2013. Could be wrong there. One of his years with the Knicks when he averaged 28 a game. Obviously, he's not a lead leader in scoring anymore, but he definitely resurrected his career with Portland over the last couple of years, you know. He had that stint in Houston when he only played 10 games with the uh, with the James Harden, Chris Paul Rockets. People thought, oh, okay, you know, he's done. The Rockets cut him after 10 games. He was actually out of the league for almost a year. But then he came back, you know, played for Portland with two years. He started his first year in Portland, had a bench roll the second year, averaged 13 points a game this past season on 41% from three, which was a career high, actually. So he's reinvented his game. He could be a scoring threat off the bench, and I think that's a big pickup for the Lakers. You know, if he's bringing in 12 a game, 11 a game off the bench, that's huge, really. I mean, you have LeBron, you have AD. Okay, we know that's the main thing. But bringing in Carmelo, that's big. And not only did they bring in Carmelo, but they also brought back Dwight Howard yesterday. And just yeah, a I saw interesting that. note, this is the third separate stint that Dwight Howard is going to have with the Lakers. Just a little weird tidbit because it's going to be this next season he's going to play with them. Oh, wow, I didn't even notice season. that. Yeah, oh, wow. right, because he, he, he played for them back in, I think, 2013. It was the, it was one year with Kobe and Steve Nash, and everyone's like, okay, they're going to win the title, and that did not happen. But uh, Kobe was past his prime at that point, and they just kind of they kind of fell apart. But, yeah, so he played with the Lakers in – I, I, obviously their championship season and uh, this season and also back in 2013. So this is going to be Dwight Howard's third separate stint in L.A. And it's just interesting. I mean, I think he'll – I don't know what his role will be. I mean, but – Probably be a I bench center. No? Yeah, yeah I'd say they sorely missed him. If you look at what happened last season with the Lakers, especially with AD's injury, they lacked somebody in the paint. That's why they picked Very up true. Andre Drummond, a couple of those other guys – but they sorely missed Dwight Howard. That's why they were so quick to bring him back. And I think I know we talk about the uh, – he was kind of stained after that first stint with the Lakers because of Kobe. Kobe kind of put a bad stigma on him because he made him look like he was soft. Uh, but I think he's redeemed himself since then, since they won the championship, and I think he'll be a good piece for them. Another name that you didn't mention for the Lakers is Malik Monk. Uh, and I think that's a name that people aren't really talking that's, about. That's a good. That's a good signing right there. Yeah, I think I think Very that's good. a good, a really good player. Because when you got a guy like Malik Monk, who was a one and done at Kentucky, he was one of the most prolific shooters at Kentucky at that time. He was a big time shot maker. Safe to say, he didn't live up to his potential so far. But he's only been in the league for about three years. He played behind. He had a bunch of injuries. And now it's a very crowded backcourt and. Charlotte, they let him go. They let him touch the open market. One thing that he can do for sure, though, he's going to be a shooter. He's going to be a shot maker for them. He could space the floor, and that's pretty much what they were lacking. Uh, you, you talked about Russell Westbrook earlier, and I'd say he's much more than a name. I, I'd say he's – one thing you can say about Russell Westbrook for sure, two things for certain. One thing for sure, he's going to give you 110%, and he's going to be a huge playmaker. When it comes to points off assists, 
besides the year that he played with uh, James Harden in Houston, he's actually led the league in points off assists for five of the last six seasons. So one thing he's going to do, he's going to be able to jumpstart the offense. One thing about the Lakers that I, I really didn't like was that LeBron was the main orchestrator of the offense. When LeBron went down, they forgot how to play offense. And with a guy like Westbrook, now you can kind of allow LeBron to not have so much pressure to be the prim primary playmaker. And I think he's going to be there mostly as a facilitator, kind of the same way that you said you're a Nets fan, the same way James Harden kind of stepped into that role. I expect Russell Westbrook to do a similar thing. Only problem with them is that you've got three guys that aren't the greatest shooters, so you need to fill up with a whole bunch of shooters. Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Kent Bazemore was another name that they signed. I like what I'm seeing in terms of adding shooters, and I think they're, they're going to be in the mix. They have a ch chance, I'd say, right there with the Nets and the Lakers. It's got to be your two favorites. And I, th and I think, too, you know, Malik Monk shot 40% from three last year on the season, so he, that's, probably, that's probably just going to be his main role on this team, kind of fill in the shoes of like a Wesley Matthews kind of player for them just on the team to shoot the ball. And he's a younger guy than Wesley Matthews, so I would assume he's probably more athletic and probably can do more than Wesley Matthews. Um, Malik Monk's only 23. That's kind of crazy. I feel like I watched this guy in college like five years ago. He's only 23, which is kind of nuts. Um, but, yeah, that is an underrated signing for them. And you brought up a good point about Russell Westbrook. Uh, LeBron has been running the court. Uh, and if you notice, the one year where they won the championship two years ago, Rondo was on the team, and he was kind of running the floor. And he's that assist-first point guard, right? He's not going to shoot the ball 12 times, 15 times a game like Russell Westbrook would and probably will. Um, but he is the guy that just gets the playmaking going. And I feel like Russell Westbrook, who is better than Rondo, obviously, I, I mean, filling in that role and then being able to bring at least some kind of offensive presence. I mean, I'm not saying Russell Westbrook's going to give you – you know, 35% from three, but he's definitely he's definitely going to drive to the rack. He's going to get you some free throw attempts. He's just he's another guy that teams have to have to study for. And it's just having a presence on the floor like that, even if he doesn't do kind of what we're accustomed to seeing, just having a presence on the floor, it, it, it can kind of win you some matchups too, which is kind of nice. So I think this is a, a pretty big pretty big deal for the Lakers as they're in a win now situation. Honestly, I mean, 2020 they won, and last year if if Drummond and Davis weren't in and out of the lineup with injuries, many could argue that they you know, might have beaten the Suns. So injuries kind of holding them back last year, now adding more depth to that team. You mentioned Dwight Howard going to fill in that backup center role in case you know D Davis goes down. Another veteran guy stepped right in. And you saw him fill in that role kind of last year with you know Embiid when he had to sit out some time for injury with that meniscus or something wrong with his leg. I forget which uh, if it was a meniscus or not. But whenever he had to sit out... Uh, Dwight, Dwight Howard would fill that hole in. He'd give you quality minutes off the bench. I think that's something that the Lakers really missed last year too, especially going going up against a guy like DeAndre Ayton, who was just a beast off the glass. So I think uh, I think that's just a great move for them as well. Um, what do you guys think about Kawhi Leonard? And, and we'll go to the other L.A. team, but he declined his option and doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to be a clipper. He could be seeking a, a, a different contract with them, more money, whatever the case is, but... He declined that option yesterday, and we have yet to receive any more recent news. But since this is a sports talk show and we can speculate all we want, do you guys think he's going to get out of L.A., go somewhere else, or do you think he's just seeking more money? I think that he stays in L.A. I think he stays with the Clippers. I think it's interesting. 
Well, no, I don't think it's interesting. I, th- I think it's somewhat notable that he's like this biggest name, you know, still on the board because obviously the Steph Curry news broke. He just signed another two hundred million plus uh, deal, the first player in NBA history to now sign two contracts over two hundred million dollars. You know, Chris Paul just committed to the Suns for the next few years. Trey Young just signed a uh, two hundred million plus extension. So all these, you know, all star level le- level players are signing these big extensions, and then Kawhi's out here just, you know, kind of staying quiet. That being said, you know, based on what we've seen from Kawhi over the last few years, I don't think it's surprising that the news with him hasn't broken yet. You know, we've kind of learned that he's a, you know, it doesn't do social media, doesn't have an Instagram account. You know, he has a Twitter, but he hasn't tweeted in like seven years. He he stays quiet. He does, you know, no one from his camp is going to leak anything. So I'm not surprised that we don't know what he's going to do yet. I remember... When he signed with the Clippers a couple of years back, you know, that news didn't break, you know, until a few days after all the other free agency. You know, he played that one year with the Raptors, you know, won the championship and everyone didn't know what he was going to do. It was rumored he was going to go to the Lakers. It was rumored he was going to stay with the Raptors and the Clippers were kind of the third team, I think, in some people's opinions. And then he ended up there. For now, because he's this quiet guy that doesn't leak anything, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if he signed somewhere else. But I still expect him to stay in L.A. You know, he had a couple incredible performances in the playoffs before he got hurt. And the Clippers, even without him, took the Suns, I think, six in the Western Conference Finals. So based on that performance, I think, you know, this team is definitely a championship-caliber team. That being said, we have seen him leave a championship-caliber team before, a team that literally won the Finals. So maybe that's not a make-or-break thing for him. But we know that, you know, it's been reported, I think, his family lives in Southern uh, California. So he's got that reason to stay. And it's it's a good team, obviously. So I would expect him to stay. That being said, whatever happens, I wouldn't be shocked because we know with him he doesn't leak anything yet. He just kind of does what he wants. Yeah, there's an expression they say, it's the quiet ones you got to watch out for. And that's the thing that scares me about Kawhi. The last time that he decided to shake up the league, he certainly did. You know, the Spurs trade, he forced his way out of San Antonio. And what happened? He spent one year with the Raptors, and they literally won the championship. Then he forces his way out. Not forces his way out, but he was a free agent. Nobody knew what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, he signs with the Clippers. Not only does he sign with the Clippers, he brings somebody with him. And it all just happened literally in the middle of the night. Nobody knew about it until it happened. So that's the thing about Kawhi. You're not going to know anything until it actually happens. And that's what scares me. And that's what should scare Clippers fans, too. So I don't know if he's going to resign with the Clippers. That's what they're speculating, but I haven't heard that definitively said. Now, with that being said, I know other teams are going to make a run at him. Who wouldn't? And with Kawhi, you really never know. I mean, yeah, if you could if you could plug him into a team like the Raptors for one year and make a and make a championship run and win the whole damn thing, I think every team will be interested in that. It will definitely cost you a pretty penny, though. Uh, but while we're on the topic of Kawhi, I saw like I saw Bleacher Report post this the other day, uh, and since we just talked about Russell Westbrook, apparently in the 2019 offseason, Westbrook called up Kawhi to team up in L.A., uh, and instead, you know, your boy Kawhi decided to say, "Hey, I'm gonna call up." I'm going to call up your, uh, your teammate, Paul George. I'm going to team up with him. You can stay in OKC or wherever you're going, Houston. You can stay there. We're going to go team up in L.A. I thought that was kind of interesting. Something that you wouldn't you hear two years later doesn't come out. Uh, something interesting there. Imagine if it was – let's ask this question now. If it was Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard instead of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, how much better or worse would they do? 
Probably worse, but that's the exhibit A of why you can't trust Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> right there. The proof's in the pudding, man. He out here poaching players behind the back. How how you going to do that, man? How you going to ask somebody to come team up and then go call his teammate behind his back, man? That's that's foul play, if you ask me. <laughs> I'm sure they're all good friends, too. I mean, they're they're all in all-star games together every year. Like, I'm... I can't imagine these guys don't like each other if they wanna if one wanted to team up with another, right? So I'm just kinda interesting there. Welcome back to the Tuesday crew. Locks of the Week is up right now. And, you know, guys, I'll just I'll get it started right now. I'll do it myself. I'll be selfish today because why not? I'm going to go with some baseball action tonight. I know you guys aren't the biggest baseball fans, but I am. And so I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Dodgers over the Houston Astros tonight. I'm going to take their money line. It's minus 180 at the moment. It is a tough pitching matchup. It's Walker Bueller versus Lance McCullers Jr., two of the best pitchers on the te- on each team. But I think with the whole cheating scandal with Houston, their first time in in you know Los Angeles this year with a full stadium, I think just that stadium is going to be rocking tonight. Walker Bueller is an all-star pitcher. Um, the, the Dodgers definitely have the lineup to do it. They they just got Trey Trey Turner the other day at the uh, the trade deadline, so they have a stacked lineup now, like as if it wasn't before. Um, I'm gonna go with the LA Dodgers minus 180 their money line today. So. I am. My prediction is Walker Buehler will probably go like seven innings, seven seven innings, maybe one or two runs and ten strikeouts. So I I have the Dodgers winning tonight. I think that they can get to McCullers early. I like that. I like that. That's pretty solid. I'm gonna take it a little bit left with my pick. Uh, I'm gonna take it into the Olympics. So there we go. I think that's our first. To be fair, we haven't had the show on in maybe a week, but that's the first time I've heard an Olympics lock. I, I'm actually excited for this. Yeah, well, if you know, you know about track, man. Jamaica has been killing it, man. Jamaica has been killing it. So I like them in the uh, the the relay. I like them. There's two relays left, four by 100. They're a plus 340 in that. Is and it the men's or women's? The men's. Men's, okay. I apologize. Let me clarify. And then the men's also in the 400-meter relay, they're plus 900 on that one. So I say throw a little money on them. You're going to be very, very generously rewarded. <laughs> Thank me later. You can send me lunch. <laughs> Lock it in. Lock it in, for sure. Yeah, and I, um, I'll um, let Doug or Christian go next, but a quick comment on that. I saw a picture the other day where I think it was uh, a women's event for track, and I couldn't tell you the distance. I couldn't tell you if it was 100 meters, 400. I couldn't tell you any of that. But all I saw was a graphic where there were maybe eight, nine, nine runners in the event, and the top three were all Jamaican women, and they all got uh, uh, medals. So, listen, Jamaica, for track, Usain Bolt, I know he's not in it, but they have something going there, so I, I, I like that. And and you got plus odds, too, so if if they do win, you'll make some good money. I love the plus odds. Plus, I, like I said, man, like you said, there's got to be something in the water out there, man, or whatever their training program is or whatever. Yeah. Jamaica has been so dominant in when it comes to running for the last, like, 10, 15 years, man, I, I don't think anybody's touching them. So the fact that they're actually getting points, I'm just going to have to put some money on it. Come on, Doug. I know you want to bet Australia basketball versus uh, the men's tonight. <laughs> I know you're feeling it. Yeah, I I am. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm trying to see. I, I wanted to do my bet on, yeah, on Team USA basketball, and I'm like trying to pull it up on my ESPN app right now. They're like, plus eleven the and a half tomorrow. Um, plus, yeah, Australia they, is. I'll, I'll yeah, tell you. I, got, Doug, I have it in front of me. If you want, I can tell you. I, I do want to hear it. Yes, I thank you for that. Okay, so Team USA. The the game is uh twelve fifteen a.m. Eastern Thursday. Um, got it. So USA is eleven and a half point favorites. The money line is minus eight hundred, and the over under total is one hundred and seventy nine and a half. Yeah, I got the US covering eleven point five. You know, I was trying to pull that up on my ESPN app, and it's like literally crashing on me as I need it on the show. But yeah, I, I I can't cite my my BPI, which I like because the ESPN <laughs> won't tell me. But uh, Nick, you don't know. I usually cite. ESPN's got this like BPI, which is Basketball Power Index. Every like NBA game and Olympic game, it'll give you like a percentage chance. Like you know, the Nets have a fifty-seven percent chance to win. Yada yada yada. It gives you like a specific percentage. Same thing for football. They have an FPI, Football Power Index. So I always cite that with my lock. I can't see it right now, but I'll yeah, just that's go a by power the stat. Bet. That's a power stat, man. Yes, that's a I, power stat. I love it. But I'll just go by the traditional betting line. Um, yeah, so with the 11.5, I mean, Team USA, sure, they lost that opener to France, but, I mean, they're, they're going to win gold. If they don't win gold, like, it'll just be so sad. I mean, I know they didn't win in 04, and Argentina, you know, got in and screwed them over, but the U.S. should be fine. They should win the rest of their games. When you have a team with, with Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum, and Draymond Green and all these other like incredible players. Like I, I know what everyone says. I listen to the interviews with Popovich where he's like, this is international play and the other teams are getting better and we gotta practice. And I'm sure all that stuff is true, but like the star power like needs to win over when the talent, you know, difference is that drastic. So yeah, I got USA covering that eleven point five. So uh, before you go, Christian, I'll give a little translation on what Popovich means there. Um the international referees actually don't call cheap fouls and therefore don't give players 15 free throw attempts a game. That's what they're <laughs> complaining about. I'm sorry. That's that's. If you notice, that I think they play like five less minutes than they do in an NBA game. These final scores are like in the high 80s maybe. They don't even touch 100. At least uh, they had the yeah. one, maybe a couple games where they really blew out Iran recently. But the games where they play France, Australia, like the teams that are actually pretty competitive, they're only scoring like 89 points, you know, high 70s. So it's not so much, you know, you can't blame everything on international play. Half the half these guys are a bunch of guys in like German leagues. I mean, come on now. Like this is, that's unexcusable. I had a rant on that like a couple weeks ago, Doug, if you remember. It's just all excuses is all I hear. But I'll let you go next, Christian. Yeah, so I got UFC this week. UFC 265 is this Saturday night. Headline headliners is Derek Lewis versus Ciro Gan for the interim heavyweight title. I love I just Derek can't. Lewis. Uh, Derek Lewis is a, a funny man. Also, <laughs> Ciro Gan is one heck of a all around MMA fighter. Just great at Mai Tai, great at his jujitsu. Derek Lewis can hit though, and I think Derek Lewis in his hometown of Houston H Town think he gets a knockout in knockout or TKO in round three this weekend. He has a an infamous quote, Derek Lewis, and I don't I don't know if I can say it on the air, but if you know, you know, and that's all I'll leave it as. Um, yeah, he said a, he said some questionable things <laughs> that are pretty funny in his interviews with Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I wish I, I listen. I wish I could say it, but I, I'm not gonna risk it. 
<laughs> hey man, plus three hundred. I like that a lot. Derek Lewis. Okay. Yep. I'm also underdog in his hometown. I'm also looking at this uh, this odd boost, which is kind of. Let's see. I'm kind of curious. Like Toronto Blue Jays, Milwaukee Brewers, and LA Dodgers all to win is plus three hundred with the odd boost. The Blue Jays play. Who do they play? Uh, the Blue Jays play the Indians. The Indians are kind of a 500 team. So I, I guess that's like the only game that I'm seeing in that in the Dodgers game that they play the Houston Astros. But the Milwaukee game, they play the Pirates. Pirates are uh, bottom feeders of the league. But just another interesting odd boost I saw there. Um Welcome back to the crew. We talked a little bit. Of, we talked about NBA free agency pretty much. We talked about we just had locks of the week. Now let's jump in, guys, to some NFL training camp news. And Christian, I know you're a Packers fan. I'm pretty sure you're relieved with all the, the new Aaron oh, Rodgers God. stuff you're hearing about. Um, Nick, you're an Eagles fan. And Doug and I are both Giants fans, and let's start right there. Today we had some, as, as Giants, the Giants had some pretty big news today in the training camp world. Uh, Kenny Galladay exited with a what seemed to be like a hamstring injury, but was able to. He was able. I saw a video of it. He was able to walk off on his own power without anyone there. And I think personally, I think the Giants are going to just take this. Um, they're just going to be pretty cautious about this because he has a hamstring issue uh, in his history with the Lions. So. I don't think it'll be a big problem, but even if it is, like, maybe a, a two weeks he's out, I mean, he's only going to miss a couple preseason games at most. Um, I guess we'll see with that, but the main story today is the fight that broke out at training camp, and it, it all started with, I believe it was a a late hit on Corey Clement on a play. He was at the end of a run, and um, some, I, I think it might have been Logan Ryan who maybe got the late hit on Corey Clement, but Evan Engram responded, kind of retaliated, didn't really like the hit, uh, and it started out a brawl. Unfortunately, there's no video of this. I can't give you a play-by-play. I can't really tell you, you know, who landed a punch or who didn't. I can't tell you what happened, but all I can tell you is Daniel Jones was at the bottom of this pile somehow. I don't even know how many guys were on this pile, but our, our freaking quarterback with the red jersey on for a reason, to not get touched, to not get hit, was at the bottom of this pile I mean, if he's injured, as if the season wasn't already over, if he's hurt, I don't even know who our backup is. The game, It's like just stupid, stupid, stupid with that. But the fight itself, it was just unfortunate that Jones got underneath the pile. But the fight itself, you know, fans might, might laugh at this, but honestly, I kind of like it. I like what Logan Ryan said after, uh, after the practice. You know, he kind of said that the ownership, the coaches, the players, the fan base, like everyone was just tired of losing and maybe having, like, a loser mentality in a sense. So they were all just kind of, you know, they were all just pissed at one another. They wanted to – it just it was the first day of pads and first day of hitting, so a little chippy. But I kind of like it. I feel like it gets everyone – It re, everyone respects the coach. Like, the coach – Joe Judge, I heard he, he had them running 100-yard sprints after the practice. Yeah, he was pissed. He, he was, was beyond yeah. pissed. Then they were doing push-ups in between them. Yeah. I, I can only imagine for somebody like me – who used to play the line, doing 100-yard sprints, then doing, I don't know, let's say 20 push-ups, then getting back up and doing another sprint back and forth. Yeah, that ain't going to that, that ain't gonna fly with me, especially if in I'm like heat. 35 years old <laughs> and in the heat. That, that's not going to that's, that, that's help me out too much. Um, 
But I tell you what, the the players respect Joe Judge. I think they, I think everyone wants to win. Like there's no one like I remember back in the Pat Shermer days, or even maybe Ben McAdoo. There would be players that would fall asleep in meetings, and it was very yes. kind of laid back. Like there was no dis- disciplinary stuff. It was just kind of like you heard about it yes. and that was it. With Joe Judge, if you fall asleep in a meeting, you're running you know 20 laps the next practice, and so people respect that and they're. You know, they're they're on top of their game. So I, I kind of like what I saw here. And, Doug, I'll let you give your insight as the other Giants fan here. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Dylan, it's unfortunate that there's no video. But that being said, I mean, I got an article up on ESPN.com that goes pretty in-depth on, you know, what happened. I'm sure whatever article you were reading from, you know, gave that team info. Seems like, yeah, like you said, you know, Evan Ingram retaliated. Eventually, Logan on up because that late hit on Corey, then Logan Ryan jumped in. It seems Daniel Jones jumped in himself because based on the what he said at the press conference, I, I watched what he said. He basically just said that he considers himself a part of the team, you know, not separate from the offense, and that's why he kind of jumped in. It's very fortunate that he didn't get hurt because that's your that's your QB1. And, yeah, you know, the Giants are expecting him to make a big, you know, Josh Allen-type leap. In, uh, in year three. So, thankfully, he didn't get hurt. I mean, in terms of the fight itself, I think, you know, training camp fights are relatively common. Logan Ryan said that's not the first one he's been a part of. He's been a part of a bunch. And this is just something, you know, I think you hear about, like, every year different stuff happens. Usually there's video of it, to be honest. Sometimes it's coming at those joint practices when two teams do it together. But I think that the fact that this happened just internally within the Giants is not really cause for concern. I mean, these guys are spending lots of time together, and, you know, some guys are fighting each other for jobs. Obviously, not everyone practicing right now is going to make that final 53-man roster. So I'm sure tensions are high, at least somewhat. And the fact that a fight happened, I'm not too concerned. Obviously, Jones ending up at the bottom of the bottom of the pile is, you know, a cause for concern, but the fact that he didn't get injured shows, you know, everything's okay. This is the headline for today, you know, and we'll move on. Everyone will, you know, forget about this in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think it's definitely cause for concern, though. I mean, first of all, your quarterback, he's wearing a red jersey. The The main reason for the red jersey is to not to touch him. How does he end up on the bottom of the pile? What respect do you have for your quarterback that he ends up on the bottom of a pile? Because that's your whole season right there. Nick, I'm thinking he pulled a, another Eagles game. He was running over there, and then he tripped, and then it all kind of just fell on top Maybe. of him, and it was all on accident. That's what I'm thinking what happened. He, he does do that. He does tend to do that, man. But, uh, I mean, I like the chippiness, man. I think it's good, you know, in a way. But um, it does it does make me concerned, a little bit. A little concerned. I mean, I guess they respect Joe Judge. I mean, if they respected him, then wouldn't they not gotten a fight? Right, I mean, I think that they, they have enough respect for Judge. And I, like I said before, just him being like a, a disciplinary coach, they, they know they know not to test him, and they respect him. And so the team understands, you know, not to fight again like that. But I think it's it, it, it's kind of like a, a fight with your brother, right? You, you get in this big argument with your brother, <laughs> then the next day it's like it didn't even happen, and you're just, you know, you're back to your normal selves. I think that just this is just a one-day thing. Everyone's everyone's a little bit chippy just because it's the first day of pads. Like guys are getting hit for the first time in months. Like it's just a whole different feeling out there, and it's a practice, so they probably don't want to get hurt. Maybe some guys are planning for contracts and they're like, "Yo, I don't want to get hurt. You, you got to chill out." So we'll see what happens there. Um, but Daniel Jones being under the bottom of the pile was kind of 
if he now if he got hurt, I'd have a different opinion. But since he's not hurt, I found it funny, just because you you mentioned Nick, he's got the red pinny. That's the whole point of it, not to get hit at all. That's why they wear that and not the blue jersey. So whether whether Doug, what you read was right or not, him him wanting to go into that pile, that's a whole other story because he's got to then realize that he, you know, many would view him as a QB one and a half, but. Without right. him, there's no there's no chance at success. You know what I mean? It's whether yeah. you want to say he's not good or whether you want to say he's good, average, yes. bad. Without him, the team's not doing anything. He's the only guy that can dictate what this team can do, and you know he's got to be more aware of that. And I'm sure he got an earful from Judge on that too. Definitely. I mean, I was watching the um, like the press conference he was doing, and it wasn't um, a Zoom conference, so I guess. I guess those are, I mean, they're not entirely done, but this conference, the, the reporters were there in person. They were, like, pressing him hard, like, asking him, like, you know. I mean, you know him. He's kind of like a quiet guy. He's he's not like, I mean, he is like Eli. So, basically, they they were kind of saying, like, why did you jump in the pile? Like, your quarterback, you're separate from the offense. And he was just kind of giving quick answers. Like, yeah, like, I mean, I consider myself, you know, part of the offense. It's not separate. That's why I jumped in. It seemed like he didn't really want to talk about it, so I don't know what his full reasoning was, but. He's being smart. He's kind of just not trying to create a headline in terms of if he made the wrong decision to jump in the pile. I think, you know, that's it's definitely yes. Maybe he was trying to get respect from his teammates. Corey um, Clement was even quoted as saying, yeah, I mean, I respect Jones, you know, for jumping in. That being said, Nick, I, you, you make a good point in that, you know, he definitely shouldn't have gone in. And, you know, like all of us are saying, thank God he didn't get hurt. But he hopefully or you know, Judge probably told him next time he absolutely cannot do that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, you know, the rest of training camp goes okay. As a Giants fan, I want to see this team do well. I'm sure uh, everyone here is a fan of an NFC, NFC team. So you guys, you know, other than me and Dylan, I'm sure you guys don't want to see the Giants do well. But whatever happens, happens. I'm just itching for football. I'm excited for this NFL season to start. Yeah, and another thing too, um, not that not that Shane Lemieux is a uh, a big time guard or anything like you know top five, top ten, but it is good news for the Giants, especially for a team that didn't really address that position in the draft. Uh, Shane Lemieux, he he was carted off the field a couple days ago with a knee injury, but he is listed as day to day, so nothing too serious. So uh, even though Shane Lemieux isn't the greatest offensive lineman in the world, it's definitely better than you know having some depth depth piece in there that's some other news too I've also seen video of Saquon Barkley on like the sidelines of these practices kind of doing like footwork and stuff like whatever he can do uh, I guess um, like what doctors clear him to do he's looked pretty good on like he doesn't I can't say he looks like himself because I'd have to see him running past other people to gauge that speed but his footwork looks pretty good too and I I hope he's ready for week one but my guess is my gut's telling me week three or four. Because if you remember, he got hurt week two last year, but didn't get the surgery until, like, November. And it usually takes a whole year for you to recover from that. So I'm thinking, you know, how, did, how is he going to be ready for week one? And I don't want them to rush him back. I think this is too important of a year for the Giants because you have Jones still on the rookie contract. You got all these big-time players with these big contracts. This is one of the bigger seasons to come. Um... So I, I, I don't want them to rush him back. I don't think that's the smart move. I don't think they will, especially seeing what they did with Galladay today, kind of taking it slow with him. He didn't even come back to practice. Um, but I don't I haven't seen anything come out that was uh, like a major injury, so we'll see with that. But 
I think that the Giants are making the right move and taking that slowly there. Um, Nick, any any uh, news with the Eagles training camp that you would like to share? I know you said you're a big-time Eagles fan. Yeah, I mean, as far as news, man, I mean, nothing major on the news front. Devontae uh, Smith, first-round pick, wide receiver out of Alabama, came down with a slight injury, knee injury, missed a couple weeks. Uh, so not too much going on, man. But, I mean, as far as performance from what I've heard from training camp, I heard it's a lot of – a lot, of, a lot of good. Uh, Jalen Hurts looking very sharp out there is what I've heard. He's connecting on his passes. He's looking like a real leader, taking guys after the uh, after 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 practice is over. He's still doing it, and they're doing additional routes. Everything it sounds like from what I'm hearing is that he's going to be a really solid starter. And I'm just happy. I'm just happy that our starter is not Carson Wentz, honestly. <laughs> so I'm just very happy about that because – we seen what happened to Carson Wentz, and I can't say I wasn't not, I'm not happy, obviously, that the guy got hurt. But when I seen that he got hurt, I was very happy that he's not on our team anymore because that would have been literally a a terrible thing to happen in training camp. That's what you want in training camp. You don't want to get hurt. You won't want any major injuries that are going to affect your season. The Colts came into the season thinking like they were going to be a Super Bowl contender, and now they're potentially missing their starting quarterback for at least a couple weeks, maybe a good chunk of the season. So yeah, I'm just I'm just happy that I don't have Carson Wentz as our quarterback, and we got somebody that's out there just trying to do the work. And um, you know, I think I think he'll be more successful than people are going to give him credit for. Yeah, and as a Giants fan, I can definitely fall underneath that category for not giving him any credit. But the the sample size is too small. If if I'm being a realistic football fan and not a biased, biased Giants fan, the sample size isn't big enough. Um, so I can't make a definitive opinion on Jalen Hurts. He's going to have to prove it this year. Um, but the one thing I will mention about the Carson Wentz situation, I I think, honestly, the not even his performance on the field or even like the injuries, it was the relationship with the franchise was, in my opinion, the main reason why he's gone, right? I think that whole relationship was tarnished. Uh, you know, having the statue of Nick Foles outside the stadium then drafting a, a guy in the second round, drafting a bunch of receivers that instead of, you know, I think they drafted Rager, who still has time to prove himself, no doubt, but could have gotten Jefferson then the year before that, or Ortega Whiteside, they could have got Metcalf. A lot of, a lot of mishaps drafting-wise, so, you know, maybe not getting the right guys in the building was also with it. But the one problem I do have with that is that you said, you know, you're happy he's, you know, he's not in your team, he's hurt, but... The pick you guys received is contingent on him playing 75% of the snaps. It's a second-round pick, but if he plays 75% of the snaps, it turns into a first-round pick. And as an Eagles fan, you're hoping that he wins you a, he wins the Colts' Super Bowl. You don't care. As long as he's playing 80% of the snaps, you get a first-round pick next year. And now, with him being out 5 to 12 weeks, that's a huge timetable, first of all. I, I, they they tell you that because they have no idea when he's coming back. They're just giving you a, the minimum and the maximum, and it'll be somewhere in there. So you got to figure he's going to miss at least couple the first couple weeks of the season, and I don't know how long it'll take him to come back. But let's say maybe their second starter does really well, and they're like, oh, we'll 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 start with this guy. Let's we'll see how he does, and then all of a sudden you don't get the snaps. That's the one downfall of that trade. But a, a second round pick is still not bad at all. But a, having a first round pick. For just a guy to play, is uh, and not maybe not being able to get that now, it kind of sucks. Now, that's the bittersweet thing about yeah. it, man. You know, it's like we have to root for him. We want him to come back. That's the first thing that I thought when he got hurt. 
I was like, man, there goes our first round pick. You know, so yeah, yeah. You, you, that's the thing. We want him to do well, well enough at least for right. us to get our first round pick. But hey, what? I'd rather him cost me a draft pick first round for second round than him cost me my entire season. So I'm I'm completely fine with the lesser of two evils in that situation. Give me the healthy guy. Give me the guy that's right in between the ears. Give me the guy that's going to go out there and work hard and play hard. Carson Wentz last season was some of the worst football I've seen under center. Uh, up there, really up there with some of the worst football I've seen under center as my time watching football, really, uh, yeah. especially as an Eagles fan. Up there with, like, Sam Darnold and the Jets when he was seeing ghosts. <laughs> uh, up there with Mark Sanchez, you know, butt, butt fumble. fumbles. Yep. You know, that was historically bad football by Carson Wentz, and the only reason that he still is, you know, being looked at as an elite quarterback is because when he was elite, boy, was he elite. And people still remember that. And, you know, thankfully for him, they still remember that. Because if you saw what I saw last season, I watched every snap, it was hard to watch. I was just happy to see somebody out there that just was willing to make the play. You know, yeah. he was just standing in the pocket for so long and just getting clobbered, man. I felt bad for him. Yeah. And and I I thought, too, the, the him reuniting with Frank Reich over there in Indianapolis, I felt like that was the best possible move for him. Somebody who understood – how to run an offense with him, and somebody who ran the offense with his best year by far, and every single Eagles fan would say he's the MVP, but me being the salty Giants fan that I am, Tom Brady's the MVP that year, and I don't care. But benefit of the doubt, he was the best quarterback up until he got hurt. So with that being said, everyone thought that, and there still is time. Like there's The season's not over. He's He'll be out for maybe first couple weeks of the year, maybe a little bit more. We'll see, but... Um, Having that coach that knows how to coach with him in an offense where they won them a Super Bowl is key, and for the future too, if they decide to extend him. But also another, another key loss for them too is Quentin Nelson got the same foot surgery as Carson Wentz. He'll be out five to twelve weeks as well. That's another big blow for them. Even with this this new quarterback coming in, I think it's going to be Jacob Eason or somebody from there. Um, not having your best offensive lineman, one of the best linemen in the league. That's other. That's another big blow. Yeah, he's definitely one of the best offensive linemen in the league. So that's a tough blow for them on both ends. Biggest thing with Carson Wentz, man, I know he's going to come back at some point in the season, is just how can you respond to adversity? That's the biggest question mark for for Carson Wentz because how did he respond in Philly? Not well. Not well. Not well at all. Now, Christian, before we wrap up the show, I want to, as the Packers fan here, I don't really get the time to talk about any you know, Packers stuff or anything. You want to give us a little bit of a run rundown of what's been going on there? You know, basically this training camp has revolved, well, before it started, revolved around Rodgers reporting, and he did. And now you just see that, you know, there he's just lighting up practice. He's uh, on the rookies. He He's just, you know, making them better, uh, especially on our new, our first round pick, Eric Stokes. He's, He's getting, you know, a lot of playing time against our number one receiver in Levante, and he's playing against Lazard as well, and Cobb, who we got back this year. Aaron Rodgers is trying to, you know, make him strong, and the line is getting stronger too. They, they, we have a rookie center now who looks like he's going to be the starting uh, person, six five, Josh Myers, who's looking good for the team. Bakhtiari has very high hopes for him, and I, it's looking like a good year as long as, you know, the injuries stay out of our way. 
Yeah, I remember uh, that kid from Ohio State, Josh Myers. I remember him going in the draft, watching it at least. Um, I tell you what, though, as a Packers fan, that that had to have scared you that Rodgers was not. It, it seemed like, honestly, I think everyone thought Rodgers was done. I, it seemed that way. I mean, they offered him like the most money ever for a quarterback, like an extension, declined it. So everyone was like, okay, it's not because of money, it's because of a relationship, and you could view it as a Carson Wentz type of deal here. And you know, I I thought it was pretty much over. He was going to get traded, or he was just going to retire. And now he's back. It seemed like it just it was swept under the rug. It was like. One the day before, you know, Adam Schefter's tweeting about Aaron Rodgers it declines this. Then the next day, it's like Aaron Rodgers will suit up as a Packer in 2021. They're uh, you know finalizing a new deal. So it was like, what the hell just happened in, in the span of 12 hours? Like what it, what changed in that locker room? What changed in the in you know just the the offices there? I don't understand. So um, it's got to relieve you as a Packers fan though to have him back for this sure. year for sure. Um, but I think. Jordan Love will be inevitable in the years to come. Uh, that'll do it for our show tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed.